Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. If today you don't know Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. You need to come down and accept Him. Well, I'll wait to another day. I'll wait to a better time. And over and over and over, and at some point, the line was crossed, and Satan, instead of tempting from the outside, enters Judas. Across the line. Dangerous place to be. You see, all of that started with simple dishonesty and greed. If you've been attending church for a long time, you've probably sat through messages about a variety of topics. Perhaps the sermon warned about greed, pride, or lust. Things you knew didn't apply to you, or did they? Being a disciple of Jesus isn't merely attending church, but seeking the Lord to search your heart and find those sins that deceive you. You may have never murdered someone, but do you have hate in your heart? You may tithe of your income, but do you give of your time? Don't go through the motions of being a disciple of Jesus. That kind of empty religion serves no one, not the Lord, others, or yourself. Let Him change your heart. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 15 for our continuing study entitled Danger, Greed, Pride, Unbelief, and Apathy. Is greed a danger in your life? Let me give you four things. Is greed a danger in your life? Number one, what would you do for X amount of money? You say, that's a strange question. There was a movie, I didn't see the movie, but I saw the advertisement. A couple decided for $1 million, which they were offered, that the wife would sleep with the guy that would pay a $1 million. She could be his for 24 hours if they would give the couple $1 million at the end. Is that what your wife or husband's worth? Would you do that? Would you do that for X amount of money? You say, oh, I'd never do that. Interesting, I don't have the statistic in front of me, but recently, the last two or three months, I was reading an article that said the same thing. They kept upping the price, and they just went to an average group of people, non-Christians, and said to them, what would you do for this amount of money? And I can't remember exactly, but something like, for 20 million bucks, like 80% of all the couples would have sold their spouse for 24 hours. Hmm. Well, you say, well, Pastor Mark, we're in church, and we would never do that. That's fine. Let me go on to the next part. Is there any greed in our life? Will greed, number two, affect your honesty on your income tax report? Well, you're talking a whole different thing. Now, I mean, I'm just, I'm just fudging a few more deductions here so I can get $200 more back. Really? Is there any difference between that and first example? No. It's dishonest. You see, greed has a way of finding its way into our lives. Number three, parents, when you're offered overtime as an option and you choose it and you keep choosing it and you keep choosing it and you're doing that to get a new boat or 
a new dining room set or a new toy or whatever, and your kids are growing up under your eyes, and you're choosing it, and you're choosing it, and you're choosing it. Right decision? Wrong decision. Now, I'm not talking about you that have no choice. Whatever. I'm talking about when it's offered to you as an option. Do we sell our families in the time with them for money, for greed? And lastly, if you're here this morning, is there anyone out there that's refusing, number one, the call of Jesus Christ to full-time ministry because you're afraid to give up what you're making in the world? You see, if you believe your security this morning comes from your job, you haven't been reading the newspaper. There are no security in our industries anymore. Everything is cut, trimmed, gone. Secondly, maybe God hasn't called you to full-time ministry as far as on staff somewhere, but when God calls you to serve, are you giving everything like this woman? She committed herself and gave it to God. You know, some of us, if we were in the room with Jesus and we had that vial or that jar of perfume, here's what some of us would have done. We would have taken it by and said, Jesus, nice jar, huh? You see, if inside that jar represents your talent, you'd have never even opened it. Because your time is more valuable serving you than it is serving God. Now, some of us would have opened the jar, and here's what we've done. Real careful. One drop. Hey, Jesus, how you like it? Good, huh? One. You give just enough. You serve just enough that it doesn't bother your conscience. Many of you just pour it out every week. You just pour it out. See, that's how this church survives. By volunteers. People serving in all different areas of ministry. Now, I don't look at people that sign up on lists for serving so that I can look you right in the eye when I talk about these things. But let me just challenge you. Most of you get it, but some of you don't get it. You see, you're holding back. What's causing it? Greed. Greed. If you don't get it this morning, get it. Be part of us. Give. Now, Jesus warned us about greed. Luke 12, 15, it says this. Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, some of you that are greedy with your time and with your money, instead of serving God the way you should or your family, you know the price of everything, but the value of nothing. You see, any time you give to God, it never is a waste. God always takes what we give and multiplies it back to us. Now, we're going to skip down to verse 17. Verse 17, when evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. So the Passover dinner was ready, and here comes Jesus. And while the, all twelve disciples are together, they're reclining at the table eating. And he said, I tell you the truth, verse 18, Judas will betray me to the Jewish leaders tonight. Is that what it says? 
Why doesn't it say that? Why doesn't Jesus expose Judas at this point? Why? You're getting it. You're getting it. Grace. What was Jesus doing? He was giving Judas what? Another opportunity to say, I'm going to follow you with my heart. You see, we don't have the picture here in Mark. And you have to understand what Jesus was doing. Jesus doesn't, not only does not expose Judas because of grace, but earlier Jesus took a cloth and a bowl and he went around and he washed the disciples' feet. You have to immerse yourself in the text here. Put yourself there. Could you wash the feet of an individual you knew shortly was going to betray you? Not a chance. Not with love. You see, and that points up something that you're going to see all through this teaching. But for the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will never successfully live the Christian life. Individual came to me between service and she says, I've been listening to your tapes on the power of the Holy Spirit. She said, I've been going to another whatever. And I realize now the thing that's missing in my life is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you tell me? Will you have somebody meet with me? I need God's power. See, if you're here this morning and you think you could have washed the disciples' feet, including Judas, out of your own goodwill, knowing that he was going to persecute you and have you crucified, not a chance. It takes God's power, and it takes His grace. Verse 18 goes on and really says this, One of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they were saddened. One by one they said to Him, Surely not I. See, the disciples didn't know. And Jesus said, It is one of the twelve. He replied, One who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about Him. In other words, to fulfill that prophecy. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. I'm coming back to that verse at the end of our teaching. Now we know later that at this point, one of the other Gospels says this, that at this point, Satan entered into Judas. Judas had earlier on been hardening his heart and his conscience. That's a very dangerous place to be. We find that you'll see that Judas sells Jesus, betrays him for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. He commits suicide. You say, well, how did Judas, how did Judas get to that place? Did it happen like this? No. Here's how it happened. And listen very closely. It happened by Judas sitting in church services like this, pretending to be a disciple. But in his heart, he wasn't right with God. And Jesus would teach on greed and pride and dishonesty. And Judas would hear the teaching and go, good. But no change in his life. You see, in every time that God's Spirit would deal with Judas, he would do this, harden his heart. 
And there came a time, and I don't know when that is for you, but I want to guarantee you, you don't want to go there. There will come a time in your life when you will cross a line and you'll not be able to ever experience God's grace again. It's called the unpardonable sin. I don't know where that is in anybody's life, but you don't want to come there. You see, and it didn't come like this. One time, it came from hardening and hardening and hardening and rejecting. And when the Holy Spirit, as we do with altar calls, we would say, if today you don't know Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. You need to come down and accept him. Well, I'll wait to another day. I'll wait to a better time. And over and over and over. And at some point, the line was crossed. And Satan, instead of tempting from the outside, enters Judas. Cross the line. Dangerous place to be. You see, all of that started with simple dishonesty and greed. Encourages me and yet challenges me to see that a so-called disciple of God could become the primary tool of Satan to destroy Jesus. That's a dangerous place to be. And yet we have people today making fun of the gospel and the seriousness of their decision. Look at verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the mountain of olives. And look what Jesus says. You will all fall away. Jesus told them, and here's why he told them that. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You know, there are people that say, well, you know, the Old Testament doesn't have any relevance or whatever. What are you kidding me? Jesus quotes Zechariah 13.7 verbatim, which was a prophecy. And here's what it really means as Jesus says, I, God the Father, will strike or put to death the shepherd. Who's the shepherd? Jesus. And the sheep. Who are the sheep? The disciples will be scattered in all directions. So Jesus says as they're walking down the road to the Mount of Olives, disciples, 11 of you that are left, you're going to fall away. When you see what I'm going to go through, every one of you are going to scatter. You're going to leave. That's a pretty hard prophecy to give. If it was given over you and I, it would be a hard thing. You see, the disciples meant well. Jesus knew that. The 11 that were left meant well, but they were operating in their flesh. And because of that hard statement, look what Jesus gives next. I like it. Picture of grace. I need it right now. I don't know about you. Verse 28. But Jesus says this, But after I have risen, there's hope, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So Jesus says this, Even if you fall away, and you are going to fall away, it's okay. I know your heart's right. I know you want to do right. You're just depending on your own flesh. But after I'm raised, I'm going to meet you. He restored them. He offered them grace again. Aren't you glad for God's grace? Now, in response to this, we see the next danger. Not only is greed a danger in our lives, but pride is a danger. And I've given it a very simple definition that says this. Pride is simply thinking too highly of yourself. Look how Peter responds to this in verse 29. Peter declares, well, even if all fall away, I will not. If you're one of the other ten disciples, how do you feel about that? Peter's saying, you guys are flakes. But 
Jesus, I'm your number one man. Jesus, I'm your man. I'm the man. You can count on me. I've been strong. I'm the only guy that will stand. I'll never fall away. God hates pride. Over and over again in the Bible, God hates pride. Look at your own life this morning. You say, well, I would never say that to Jesus. Well, let's see if we're prideful. Let me give you some examples of pride. Showy, selfish, conceited, arrogant, boastful, critical. Here's one. It sneaks in there right up on us. Reluctant to accept criticism. Well, I don't accept criticism because those people that criticize me don't know what they're talking about. Really? Refusal to admit one's weaknesses. An inflated sense of one's abilities or opinion. Pride is like a telescope that is turned the wrong way. When you have pride in your life, and I have pride in my life, it's like the big end is focusing on me. And the small end is God. See, it needs to be the other way. If you are the person that's bragging on you, and God is the one down here, well, God, whenever I need your help, I'll call you. You're prideful. And God hates pride. Peter was saying, in my flesh, I can do it. If pride's a danger in your life, the scripture says something always happens after pride. And what is that? It's a fall. In other words, God will just cut out the legs from under you. Until you go, wow. All of the disciples, anytime you brag that I'm strong enough in my flesh to serve God, watch out, because a fall is coming. Now the solution to pride is humility. And humility is simply this. It starts with us acknowledging one thing, our dependence on God. As you look in your life, if you sit here and say, well, I'm living the Christian life because I have enough, I've been to church, you don't know how long I've been to church, Pastor Mark, and I know the Bible, and I've studied Greek and Hebrew, and I can tell you this, and I know the prophecy from back to first, and I've raised all my kids, and they're all serving God, and I serve God because of my strength and my experience. I'm saying to you, watch out, because there's a fall coming. You see, I need God every single day in my life. I can't even teach the next time unless God's strength is there for me. It's impossible. And I don't only mean physical, which is, but I do mean physical, but I mean spiritual. I cannot live the Christian life without total dependence on God. Now, humility is like this. If you know God and you study and you see his character in here, then humility should make us humble. Knowing yourself should keep you humble. You and I know who the real person is, don't we? You and I know how flaky our faith is sometimes. Only you and I really know how many times this last week we failed. Now God knows it. Aren't you glad he isn't exposing us this morning? What if we went alphabetically? A, your name. And God would just put a little video camera on you and list. We have to have bigger screen, number one. All the things that was wrong with your life this week. Would you like it? 
Number one, I wouldn't be here. I'd be trying to go home somewhere. But God's gracious, isn't he? Don't think that you can serve Christ in your strength. You can't. See, Peter meant well. We mean well. Jesus knew the disciples. The disciples weren't there saying, they weren't bragging on themselves because they knew they were going to try to definitely betray Jesus. They thought they could do it. Jesus knows we're human and we make mistakes. He knows we too often rely on our own power. Verse 30, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered today, yesterday, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And then here's the example of Peter as a leader getting other people in trouble. And all the others chimed in and said the same thing. So they're all in trouble. You see, Jesus says, Peter, cock-a-doodle-doo. Before you hear it twice, not once, not twice, but three times, you're going to blow it. Peter responds, not a chance. I wouldn't even blow it once. That brings us to the next danger in our life. It's called unbelief, a lack of trust in God and his word. Notice, initially, Jesus had quoted Zechariah, the written word of God, which said all the disciples will fail. Then he chimes in and says to Peter, not only does the written word say that you're going to fail, but I'm telling you, Peter, three times you will fail. So we have the written word of God and the spoken word of God, and what did the disciples do with it? They totally ignore the word of God. Let me ask you something simply this. Is there any area in your life right now today that you're doubting or arguing with the Word of God? I'm not talking about anything about Calvary Chapel. I'm talking about the Word of God. If you're here this morning and you're a young person or maybe a single or whatever, and, and you're sleeping with somebody and you're not married, and you know the Bible says premarital sex is wrong, are you saying, well, it, maybe it was wrong in those days, but you know, you can't, you can't marry somebody without sleeping with them. You've got to get to know them. You're in trouble because you have unbelief. See, God's word does not change. He knows best. And in any area of your life, if you're arguing with the word of God, let me say this very simply and love to you. You're wrong. And not only are you wrong, but you're in sin. You see, my life depends on the truth of the Word of God. There must be a standard that holds. This is a standard. Whether you like it or not doesn't matter. The standard is still true. We have to be people of the Word. Matthew 4, 4 says this, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You can't live by part of the Bible, but every word. Now you can argue with it, and you will fall to the danger of unbelief just like the disciples. In today's message from Mark chapter 14, we saw Jesus' ministry on earth drawing to a close. He knew that his time was short, and as he spent time with his disciples, he used every moment to instruct them. He knew some would betray him, but he didn't condemn. He offered grace for their coming failures. 
Pastor Mark challenged us to examine the different kinds of greed that can plague even Christians. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll take a look at the problems that pride can produce in our lives. We'll see how the disciples' confidence in their devotion to Jesus was more about their own pride than being servants of Christ. Pastor Mark will continue to highlight examples of the Lord's capacity for amazing grace and how He continues to extend that grace to all who come to Him. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right.